Welcome. We're Kevin Smith and Mark Bleicher from Arate Incident Response. We're excited to share actual incident response cases, chat about IT security, and introduce you to the most influential players in the industry. With that, let's get moving. And thanks for joining this episode of Security Superpowers. All right. Welcome to our inaugural episode of Security Superpowers. Today, we have a very special guest. He's been a cybersecurity professional for over 17 years and is currently the Managing Director of Digital Forensics and Incident Response at Arite. He's a graduate of Boston University with a Master's in Computer Science. Please welcome our very own Mark Bleicher. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you, Kevin. Great. Well, thanks. Listen, I appreciate you joining us today. It's... Uh, uh, we're we're leading into the Fourth of July weekend, and uh, I'm pretty sure you're prepping for a for a long weekend. Hopefully, a relaxing one. Hopefully, but you never <laughs> tell. That's <laughs> yes, right. It's well, that's right. <laughs> that seems to be when all the spooky people come out, and uh, and uh, they have different plans for us. I think. <laughs> Hey, listen. Um, uh, you know, it, you've got a lot of lot of time in this industry, and um, I just want to kind of open up. Uh, with uh, how you got started. Sure. So uh, originally my undergrad was political science and sociology and I had planned to go to law school. You know, I'd always had a background in computers, just from tinkering on my own in, in high school and throughout college. So, you know, after I graduated undergrad, I had uh, studied and self-taught, I guess you'd say. Uh, so study for the LSAT for about a year, took the LSAT, applied to law schools, got into, you know, everywhere that I wanted to, and then um, decided not to go after all. Was like, that was good <laughs> enough for me, just getting in. And here I am today. So, um, no, but, you know, shortly after that, I uh, continued. I stayed with the, the job I had and then um, enrolled at uh, BU into uh, the master's program there, graduated. And I like to say I kind of got started really in, you know, DFIR, really 2009, my first job at Booz Allen. And then, um, you know, really for the last 11 years, I've just been in this day in and day out. Yeah. And, and being in it day in and day out, I'm sure that you've seen a lot of changes, right? Um, what what are your thoughts on, on how you've seen the industry evolve and how have you seen threat actors change and Give me some thoughts there. Yeah, so I'd say really for um, the way I see it, the way it's evolved over the last, uh, I guess, gee, ten years is when I, uh, you know, first got started in forensics. Seemed like everything was APT. That was the big buzzword of the time, you know, which is of course advanced persistent threat. So these attacks from nation states like China, and you know, they were after our intellectual property. I'm sure you've seen over the years all the stories with um, you know China the different attacks so I uh, that was really it seemed like the I used to always say jokingly that um, the Chinese government was responsible for ruining more weekends of mine <laughs> because it you know just like a Friday I'd get a call can you you know be in LA tomorrow morning we have you know ABC company that the FBI visited them and then really I'd say uh, it's around 2014-15 is when I first, uh, actually, no, it was really 2013 is when I saw the first ransomware, obviously not as prevalent as we see today, but um, it really started to, I guess, impact just a, a wider range of victims and organizations and really hit everybody, um, at least it seemed so, you know, in the last five years. Um, so you kind of went from 
the, you know, maybe being a victim of an attack to, you know, where it's now it's just like getting to a fender bender. Anybody can be a victim. Yeah. Um, you know, in my experience, it seems like just when you have all your plans laid out for the long holiday weekend, you get an email from a breach coach or a company that can't get into their file server. And, uh, and it just so happens that they're just about ready to go home uh, and jump on a plane or, or get into their, their RV. Yeah. And you know, that, that's all for a reason too. It's uh, it definitely, we, I, there's, these things can be cyclical too. So, you know, before the school year starts, particularly with ransomware, last year we saw a huge spike, you know, hit municipalities and would take the school system out or, or universities. Um, you know, same thing, like you said, with right around the holiday time, um, you know, these criminals take advantage of that. They know the U.S. holiday schedule. They know that's when we're most vulnerable and the urgency that's in place um, to get your systems back up. So, yeah, they're, they're no stranger, and they they know how to play the game. So. Yeah, yeah. It it almost seems like uh, they're aiming to demoralize the victim. Yeah, nothing worse than an unexpected network crash to uh, to ruin your long weekend plans, is it? <laughs> right. Or if you, if you don't have a long weekend, you know you're not gonna have a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 For sure. <laughs> you know, um, taking into consideration the cybercrime environment as a whole. It seems like they're becoming more organized and coordinated. Um, it seems to have evolved over time from stealing data to uh, now it's almost exclusively extorting money uh, from the victim. Could you um, could you tell me, like, how have you seen their tactics change? Uh, and how have you seen these threat actors evolve from essentially just stealing data to now you know these these seven figure uh extortion sure scams. so i honestly that really the tactics or organization of the threat actors i mean i'd say has stayed the same it's the objective that's changed you know whereas with the the nation state the apts if you will the the objective was purely, you know, data theft. They were after intellectual property, and you know, we can get into the whole geopolitical, you know, Chinese five-year plan and how that factors in. But that's covered really well from, you know, other sources. Sure. I'd say, uh, you know, a lot of these nation-state groups, um, they've basically smaller groups have broken off from them or have taken what they've learned, for, you know, from those attacks or. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the, the ransomware groups today. I mean, they're extremely organized. We also see that they use a lot of the same tools and, and tactics that these, you know, again, nation states use. Um, as far as ransomware and how they're organized, you know, I, I, I tell victims this all the time when they call that, you know, we're dealing with criminals, but they're very organized professional criminals. And that sounds funny to say, right? But... I mean, you see, like we deal with these, you know, groups day in and day out, and some of them are run better than, uh, you know, a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Sure. You know, they have a support line. You you, you pay the ransom, and they're willing to help you. Um, they're, you know, to be able to do what, uh, you know, all these different groups have done on the scale they have, you know, there's got to be some level of uh, sophistication, organization, and funding, and there is. You know, a lot of that also comes from the places where they sit and, you know, getting funding from the nations that 
essentially backing them unofficially. So right, right. I mean, we could dedicate an entire episode talking about that. <laughs> right, right. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you, I mean, you know, just to, to to speak to the sophistication of some of these threat actors, um, you know, rumor has it that some of them even have a support ticket system and, and yeah. you s- submit tickets <laughs> to, to, to yeah. get to get things taken care of um um and, and then the, and then it kind of boils back down to okay well then there's a reputation so it's clear i mean these are businesses right these, these are legitimate businesses that um you know where, wherever they're operating clearly the government is turning a blind eye to that or they're benefiting you know they probably right. are taxing them <laughs> to, to, yeah, right. so <laughs> yeah it's it's astonishing um you know how how sophisticated the threats are nowadays. Um, And speaking of that, there has to be that moment in time uh, where you engaged in an incident that you you just knew, wow, this is, this is different. This is a very sophisticated, well-organized attack. What's the most memorable event that you've worked on? And, and um, obviously, you know, keeping the, uh, uh, the affected <laughs> victims uh, anonymous, but tell me a little bit about that experience. Sure. I'd say, uh, well, I have two really that come to mind. Um, the first was actually the very first ransomware I responded to, uh, back in the beginning of 2014. Um, you know, we, you know, you'd seen, uh, reports of ransomware, like in the, the news and it was our first one we responded to. I got a call that said, Hey, there's this, um, agency up in New York City, they've all their systems are encrypted, and they didn't know, you know, what variant it was or what had happened. So I said, "Can you get up to Manhattan? Be there tomorrow morning?" So she said, "Sure." So I went up there with my colleague on the train, and you know, doing research on you know the, the latest variants and, and ransomware. Of, you know, it was new to us at the time, um, and it was memorable. I don't know if you've seen the movie Zoolander. But yeah. <laughs> so, so we get there. It, this is an agency. It's a modeling agency. So we show up in suits and ties. We look like two feds. <laughs> And we could not have stood out anymore, but they, they were great. There's, I mean, there's these models walking around. It was just <laughs> this, you know, swank Soho office. And it was, uh, so that it was memorable. And in, um, in that regard, as far as being able to help them, you know, at the time it, you know, nobody even thought to reach out to the, the attacker, you know, of course they left a ransom note, but uh, we really were just able to help them, you know, figure out how to secure their environment moving forward. And then, you know, clean up and, sure. and rebuild and start from scratch. Uh, right. As far as the most memorable in sophistication was a few years later, um, responded to an incident out on the West Coast. It, uh, at first, we thought it was, it was a large university system. We thought it was just contained to one of the campuses, and um, that ended up going on for over a year, and that uh, ended up making the news, and we'll see if we can actually do a whole episode on that sometime. Cause sure. The, uh, that was a nation state. Um, really interesting stuff. Oh, but, wow. uh, you know, I, it was interesting or exciting for me because, you know, we got to live uh, essentially in Santa Monica for the entire summer um, when we were, were out there. So, wow. So it was like full was, time around the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was, it, it was nuts. So, wow. Yeah, listening to your experience, um, it really proves that the spectrum of victims is pretty vast. I mean, um, the reality that no matter what industry you're in, there's risk, right? Um, in your experience, have you seen any specific industries targeted? Um, 
any business category stand out among others? It's, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's trends will, you know, get in uh, new engagements and, um, you know, maybe be a cluster of a few from the same industry. It's really, you can't say, it, you know, there's, it's always coming from one sector. Um, but really, I guess I, maybe if you tie it back to a trend, it's cyclical again, you know, with, mm-hmm. um, you know, hitting around the holidays, you know, of course, manufacturing that tends you see more of that. And of course, you know, the longer a manufacturing firm is down, obviously that's money every day. Sure. Business interruption. Yeah. And that, and um, that's probably, you know, tied to, you know, what's the likelihood of these people paying, right? It, it, you know, if you're, if you're a bakery in the, in, yep. in a small country town, chances are you're probably going to wipe your hard drives and start over versus if you're a, a fairly large manufacturing company, you probably do just about anything to get back online again. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, too, is once, you know, these threat actors, they they do the research, the reconnaissance, you know, weeks and months in advance, sometimes, you know, even longer than that to really understand the victim before they, they make their final strike. They they know everything down to their financials, you know, sometimes even if they have cyber insurance. I mean, we've seen it through forensic analysis, the types of, you know, what they're looking at before they actually deploy, you know, ransomware. So, they they know what the victim can ultimately pay to some degree and yeah wow again it, it speaks to how sophisticated these attacks are nowadays you know they, they're doing intel on the on the business finding their sweet spot and then hitting um, exactly it's 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 quite frankly a brilliant uh, a brilliant approach for sure <laughs> if I may you know it's it, you know these are smart people and I and I think that um, that's all the more reason why we should be paying closer attention to this issue. And um, this is, this has got to have the attention of literally every corner of our economy. I mean, you've got an insurance concern, a legal concern, there's regulatory issues is, you know, what, what's happening in, in overall out there to, to, to mitigate this sort of attack. I mean, this is truly the front lines of a war. And, um, and it starts with, unfortunately, it starts with the money role. I mean, you follow the money, right? And, and I think in, in many cases, it falls on insurance carriers to uh, help businesses get back to normal. I mean, they, many times they have to pay the ransom. You know, I know that the effort is extraordinary and a lot of time is being spent on protecting their customers. What, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I would say that you know insurance carriers are really there's such a saving grace. Um, you know, we we really partner up with the carriers. They do have an interest in what we're seeing on the front lines, and they they want to know what can they do working with you know people applying for a policy. What can they do to make sure they do their due diligence to make sure that these um, you know, that the policy they're about to write, that that, you know, organization has everything in place and they're not going to be writing a policy for somebody that has, you know, a million vulnerabilities that are open. So with, you know, with all of this effort that the carriers are putting into uh, to cyber liability um, claims, um, you know, they're, they're clearly interested in doing better underwriting. I've seen, you know, cyber liability policy questionnaires go from, you know, five questions to, in some cases, multiple pages, and they're getting very uh, detailed in their pre-coverage pre questionnaires. 
So clearly they're on to something, right? They're, they're doing their best to get ahead of this. Um, and it, at minimum, just to understand their customers, which leads me to my final, uh, you know, my final question here. And that is, what, what do you see? Where do you see all of this going? Yeah, I, wow. That's uh, we could spend a whole episode on that. I definitely have some, um, you know, opinions. Some of them may sound crazy, but it's I, I see. I don't think we ever. Well, we could have predicted. I guess that uh, you know, ransomware. It, it's basically it's an epidemic now. Um, you know, and one of the things that we really wasn't a concern even like up to a year ago was was there exfil from these ransomware groups and now you know we see just in 2020 alone we've gone from we first saw maze the end of 2019 and then shortly after so nikibi started you know saying that they stole data and then now i think mm. we're up to 12 different variants so i think we're gonna see more of this kind of uh double insurance policy if you will from um you know these ransomware threat actors so in addition to increasing encrypting your data, you know, now they steal it. So you have to factor in, well, you know, we pay the ransom so we can get the decryption keys. We can be operational again. If you don't need that, well, I don't want them to release our data because then you have notifications and, you know, breach walls come into play there. I, what I I probably see for the, um, you know, short term is they'll be, um, threat actors will come up with new ways to extort organizations maybe they'll start going after you know high level you know mm-hmm. c-suite execs and you know threatening to release dirt or data on them or, or on the organization um i think earlier this year uh, it was Soden Akibi said that they were going to start um reporting things to the sec for publicly traded companies that's a you know so kind of holding these extortion schemes over the victim's head so again not just have to worrying about paying the ransom but all the other implications that may happen putting this stuff on facebook yeah it's not posting in a dark web database somewhere where other threat actors can sift through the data to find it i mean they're legit filtering through it and putting it on facebook and social media yeah yeah and uh, yeah, they're just very brazen. They brag about it. You know, of course, they do have their you know their dark websites on you know Tor, and uh, you know now so Nikibi has like an eBay auction site where they've actually partnered with other groups who are also selling the stolen data on that platform. Uh, I think so. I mean, we're going to see a lot more collaboration with the criminals and uh, new innovative ways that they you know come up with to to try and just continue to, to scare and extort victims i it, it like i said it really is an epidemic and um it was last year again to use the uh the municipality um and the kind of the school systems that we saw the spike in last august the aid uh, met with the um town commissioner for this one uh client we had and he was just so frustrated because in his state for the last summer, they were like the fifth or sixth small town to get hit. And then in addition to all these school systems. So uh, he had the opportunity to actually go to the white house. There was uh, like a summit, I guess they held. And he said that they were trying to have uh, some sort of a consortium with like mayors of small towns across the the nation. They were going to stand still and, you know, not pay the ransom. I don't know whatever happened with that, but uh, it's, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's very unpredictable uh, at this point. You know, a lot of there's a lot of blogs out there. People speculating. Um, it, it's one thing 
to stand against paying the ransom. But in reality, um, and this is yet another <laughs> another episode, but ultimately the 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 environment exists because the potential for these threat actors to jump into a network the potential is there to delete their backups there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done overall in the IT industry as a whole where security becomes the centerpiece to design and architecture and i think I'm going to leave it at that uh, because I know that we could go really deep on that. But 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 do you agree that this is this is really soup to nuts? It starts with architecture and it ends with uh, awareness. Yep, everything. It's a. Uh, it's all about people, processes, and technology. It's everything in in between. You know, user education. It's right. you, you can't just rely on technology. You can't just say we have the best EDR in place and you know our security's top notch. Well, guess what? We see clients day in and day out who you know are very technologically advanced. They have very bright, you know, infosec teams, but they still fell victim. Yeah. So you know it really speaks to the complexity of uh, of our information systems as a whole. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, it's truly appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. This was fun. Absolutely. And there you have it. Mark Bleicher, Managing Director of Digital Forensics and Incident Response for Airtay. I'd like to thank Severine Fortin and Colin Hanks for their hard work and guidance on our first episode, as well as you, our listeners, for joining us. Next time, we'll discuss attack vectors threat actors like to use to break into your network and cause all kinds of trouble during this unprecedented time of remote working. Join us again soon for the next episode of Security Superpowers.